Iowa goes to 1-0 with the win against Rutgers, 27-10. We look back at the performance. How good was the offense and the defense? Well, we know just how good it was once again. Two defensive scores as Iowa gets their first Big Ten road victory of the season. Up next, a date with Michigan. We'll start to take a look ahead to that one as well. But a look back as Iowa wins it 27-10. Coming up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Locked on Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. I'm Trent Condon. Glad to have you aboard with us here today. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day available wherever you find podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube with the video element. Just search Locked On Hawkeyes and when you're there make sure to hit that subscribe button. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Iowa gets the win against Rutgers 27-10. A very workmanlike victory for the Hawkeyes in this one. Not a lot of histrionics and not a whole lot of craziness here, but Iowa finds a way once again, and they do it behind the power of two defensive touchdowns. Again, just a great performance out of the guys there. Let's, in fact, start on that side. You know, we, we fall into the trap a lot of talking about the offense and the struggles that have happened this year, some of the disappointment that has been there. So let's talk about the guys that deserve the kudos at the top, and that is on the defensive side of the football all night long. You know, this is a Rutgers team. They had some question marks about the passing game coming in, and I thought Simon, uh, the quarterback that took all the snaps in the game for Rutgers, he had a solid game overall against that very opportunistic Iowa defense. That opening drive made a couple of plays down the field, marched them right down the field, and they got into field goal position, knocked in that field goal early on. You saw afterwards, though, Iowa defense really clamped down, figured a few things out. But this is a team that had run the ball incredibly effectively throughout the season. They had come in running the football at a high level. Uh, Rutgers finished the game, though, overall in the rushing statistics, just six rushing touchdowns, 61 yards and 24 carries, 2.5 uh, yards per carry in this one. The Iowa defense up front, uh, they were outstanding, and you got to start with that defensive line. We knew the linebackers are going to be great coming into the season, and that certainly has been the case. Jack Campbell's continued to play at All-American level. Uh, Seth Benson's out there, just a workman-like dude, you know, that lunch pail guy that goes out there. And he's going to be in the right spot. He's going to be making plays. Disappointing. The linebacker coming back this week, we did get to see Justin Jacobs out there. He left the game with another injury, and it sounds like possibility that same hamstring injury that he's been dealing with and a possibility this is going to be a long-term injury for him. So that's certainly the disappointing news coming out of that one. But starting up front with Lucas Van Ness, and we've seen a little bit of depletion on the defensive tackle spot. He's been playing in there. He's been playing inside. He's been playing outside. He was a behemoth once again. The, the pick six that was started on the pressure that he had against the quarterback, Simon, he gets in there. Just a beautiful hit right underneath the helmet. No helmet to helmet there. Got him right with the shoulder, right in the chest plate. I mean, it was a thing of beauty applying that pressure. Cooper DeGene makes the play, gets the interception, and, of course, runs it back. Great blocking also on that play. And, and that's something now you're seeing with this Iowa defense is when they get their hands on the football, 
They're looking to score. They understand. And we go back to the Iowa State game. And Terry Roberts, he tweeted after the game, if I just kept my feet, that's what this team is thinking about. It's not just about forcing turnovers. It's just not playing and getting the plays that they have all throughout the season. But it's also getting the football and then trying to score with the football because of some of the limitations offensively. They know that's going to be some of their best course of work is getting into the end zone. So starting up front with Van Ness, he was really good. We saw Aaron Graves come in again, and he was continuing to make plays. It didn't create out at a high level. We'll get to those defensive grades from Pro Football Focus coming up here in just a little bit, but certainly showed up in the stat sheet, and I thought watching and even on the rewatch, Graves is playing at a high level. There's times that He's still out there, maybe thinking a little bit more than you'd want. That's going to happen with a young guy, a true freshman out there. But he's really helped out uh, that defensive line rotation, what they've been able to do up front. Uh, A couple other names to certainly remember and what they were able to do. Quinn Schulte, again, he continues to impress. This is a guy playing at a really high level. His ability to close on the football the separation that you see in the past, some of those soft zones you know, where I was going cover four and they're just sitting in front and making plays in front of them. Quinn Schulte, with his closing ability, he has been incredibly good and had a couple of big plays uh, also, and he finished up the game with seven tackles overall. Mention Cooper DeGene, he also had seven tackles. Of course, had that interception. He's been so good. And now interceptions continue for him to pile up. And this is a crazy thing, too. And we had an opportunity before the season uh, to talk to Cooper from the football complex. And one thing that he mentioned is before last season, he never played cornerback before. Now, yes, he's playing the cash position, but he's also playing a lot of cornerback. You saw a lot of that, in fact, starting off the game as it was Sebastian Castro in there playing the cash, and it was Cooper DeGene at the cornerback spot. This is a guy that's still incredibly new to this position, and what a high level that he is playing at. It's just a great thing to see, and you're so excited about his upside and what he can still be. And we talk about what an athlete he was, and going back to his days at high school when he was a quarterback and he was running around and making plays and willing his team to a state championship. But not only that, but also what he was able to do all over the place. Return game, we saw him back there in this one. And that's also Arlen Bruce. And we'll get into that. We'll talk about special teams coming up there. But Cooper DeGene making plays. Caleb Johnson also in the return game. But what a stick with the defense. They were the story of this game, what we saw out of the defense. It was great to see Merriweather in there after the game, the post-game press conference or on the field interview that he did uh, out with the crew from FS1. And you know he mentioned he had never had a, a scoop and score before and gets his first defensive touchdown that way. Uh, great to see. One of the great ambassadors to this Iowa football program. And with the tumult of 2020 and during the summer and, and a lot of the negative things that were talked about and brought to the forefront as they needed to uh, with this football program and the way that African-American players felt that they were certainly uh, they were respected in a different way compared to others. You know, those things came out there, but one of the people that helped bring this together and, and understand that there was a light at the end of the tub- tunnel, that you could improve this program and do it in a positive way for all the athletes that were there. Kayvon Merriweather was a huge, huge part of that. And if you ever have an opportunity to hear him talk and hear some of the things that he said about that and just talking football in general, he, he's a great guy, a great ambassador to the program. And it's good to see a player like that get the recognition of that they de- deserve with the defensive touchdown. So great to see there. You know, there was a point, though, in the game as it was kind of rolling through and boy, without those defensive touchdowns, uh, how bad was it going to be? Uh, how close could this game be ultimately? They all score. You know, they 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 score the same. They count the same. But you got to give credit to this Iowa defense for getting it done uh, once again. Let's take a look at those pro football focus numbers. I mentioned Lucas Van Ness uh, at the top, and and he graded out as the top defensive lineman for Iowa. 
in the pro football focus numbers. Logan Lee, another guy, you know, the way that he plays inside at the defensive tackle position, he's not going to rack up huge numbers. He's not going to be a guy, you know, you look at the end of the season, he's got 70 tackles and a 12 and a half tackles for a loss, anything like that. He had just plays his position, allows those linebackers to make play. He continues to play at a really high level. Uh, late in the game, Max Llewellyn, a guy from where I'm from, Central Iowa, called some of Max's games in high school. Outstanding athlete, a guy I know they were very excited about, and he's going to have a big future. Uh, he rated out number three. Joe Evans, he made a play late in that game. He continues to play at a high level going from what he was early in his career, where he was really a third down specialist, undersized at the defensive end spot. He has built his body into a guy that can be now a three, four down player. He has done that and he's making plays, not just as an edge rusher, but also out there in the run game and being able to do that. A great to see for Joey the Bull, Joe Evans uh, making some plays. Yate Craig got 29 snaps. He graded out well. Ethan Herquette. Good to see him back, and he works his way into health. Uh, he was up there as well. Noah Shannon, a little bit of surprise. Uh, he played 43 snaps in the game. Didn't grade out real high, but good to see him after only playing five uh, snaps the week previous against Nevada, his ability to get back out there. He's going to be important this week in the matchup against Michigan. So uh, that's a look at what we saw up front from the defensive line at the linebacker spot. Seth Benson, uh, other guys have played a bunch. He graded out high. Jack Campbell behind him. Didn't grade out as high as we saw. In fact, tackling down a little bit uh, for Jack Campbell. That says maybe missed a few tackles he normally would. Just four snaps for Jay Higgins, but he grades out as the number one linebacker, Logan Klemp, uh, right with him. Just five snaps out of those guys. I mentioned Justin Jacobs, the disappointing uh, injury for him. And uh, we'll get probably an update on Tuesday exactly how bad that is. But uh, from the initial reports, does not look good. And then finally, in the defensive backfield, Kayvon Merriweather, he was through the roof along with Cooper DeGene. Both those guys rated out over an 80 overall. Huge numbers out of them. Quinn Schulte, uh, he comes in at a 69, 67 for Riley Moss. And then Sebastian Castro playing the most snaps of his career. Uh, good to see him out there and uh, really good in pass defense as well for what he did in tackling. So that's a look at the defense. The story of the game, obviously, is what this team does. And they got to be strapped on, ready to go because here comes Michigan. And Michigan, are you going to be able to win a game 17-13 against this Wolverine team? Even with the struggles they had against Maryland, you wonder about that. We'll get into the offense and some of the positives that we saw. At least, yeah, we saw some signs that this offense is continuing to evolve. It's still not great. It's still one of the worst ranked in college football. But just maybe this offense is showing some signs and certainly getting the running game going. We'll talk about that as we continue here. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I mentioned before, I have a small business. I've hired people to do a host of different things, a number of different things throughout. You want to make sure you're getting those best candidates, and most importantly, don't have a lot of time. If you're a small business owner like I am, you just don't have time to pour through resumes and go through a bunch of things. LinkedIn Jobs can help you with just that. It's very easy. Add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile, and it'll spread the word to everybody out there that you're hiring. They have simple tools, screening questions. Make it easy to focus on the candidates with the right skills and experience that you're looking for and prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately who you'd like to hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires 
versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the quality candidates you want to talk to and does it faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked in college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Trent Cotton with you as we continue here with the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Have LaShawn later in the week. Business is going to stop in as well. We'll continue to break things down and uh, going to have a road show coming up on Friday. It's going to be over in Clinton and uh, have a champion's dinner over there with a little betting contest that I've been in. Got to bring my trophy along. Don't want to forget about that. And uh, going to be over there in Clinton. So, hey, if you're out on Thursday night, want to watch some Thursday night football, me and, and a bunch of degenerates going to be out there uh, with the contests that we've been running and the champions from uh, the last calendar year and these contests that we do. You can follow along with me on Twitter. Wasn't a great week for me overall, uh, betting-wise in college football. The NFL, though, eh, that worked out pretty well. Uh, but that aside, we'll get into our picks here later in the week, and we'll do that with Biz and LaShawn as things continue. But we continue right now and talked about the defense at the top. Let's get into the offense and what we saw in the 27-10 win against Rutgers. Offensively, the run game looked so much better. And I think a huge part of that was Tyler Ellsbury. Tyler Ellsbury came into the game and right away, as soon as he came in, that offense looked completely different running the football. The overall numbers are not elite by any way. Uh, LaShawn Williams did lead the team in the pro football focus numbers with a 73.9 grade, 71.4 for Gavin Williams and Caleb Johnson at 71.2. Those three guys are all bunched together and those guys overall had really nice performances, and uh, great to see that all of them got out there. And how about LaShawn Williams, obviously getting into the end zone for the offensive touchdown from the group. 11 carries, 64 yards, averaged 5.8, had 21 yards, was his long. Also had a couple of targets and a couple of catches in the game. Lot, saw a lot of LaShawn Williams, and after the, the passing of his father last weekend, great to see him get in the end zone for the Hawkeyes. Caleb Johnson continues to impress and not only what he did in the running game, and, and you saw good things out of that, but you also saw what he was able to do uh, in the kick return game. A couple of big kick returns and, and getting them good field position. That's an important component. And with the team that is struggling like Iowa does offensively, those are the things that you need, right? You need the ability to be able to go out there, get an extra 10, 12, 15 yards. It's just so important for a team with the limitations. Look, is Iowa going to be able to march up and down the field to get four, five, six you know, first downs in a drive and get a score? It just doesn't look realistic right now. Realistic, though, is Spencer Petras looks better with a, obviously, offensive line that is getting better, with a running game that is showing some signs, and with some receivers back, though. Arlen Bruce, he was banged up this week. Only three targets overall in the passing game for the wide receivers. One for Bruce, one for Brody Brecht, and just one for Nico Ragagini. Uh, with those three guys, it was a tight end game. That's where they were looking a lot. It was tight ends. It was running backs. That's where they were going with the football. But I thought overall, some signs of improvement. And the biggest thing with Spencer Petras is what we talked about the first two weeks, where he was just missing throws that were makeable. They were easy throws. They were out routes, and he was thinking and overthinking things. And maybe him playing on the road was what he needed. You look at the statistics and the split between him at home and on the road, he has been a lot better quarterback on the road throughout his three-year career now as the Hawkeye quarterback. Unfortunately, I guess if you look at it in that fashion, the game's going to be a kick this week. It's not going to be on the road. But 
you still sign up for that, right? We'll see what they have for Michigan. We'll continue to break that one down uh, throughout the week. Uh, Petrus, he goes 11 of 17, 148 yards, was taking a few shots up the field, looked a whole lot more comfortable, though, and I think a lot of that has to do, obviously, with the offensive line. In fact, overall, Spencer Petrus, those pro football-focused numbers, he was the highest-rated offensive player last week at an 88.5. I didn't see it at that level. I rewatched it again tonight. Still didn't see it quite at that level, but that's what their numbers bear out. Talk about the running game. Let's talk about, finally, the offensive line, and I think that was a huge part. Mason Richmond, this guy is probably going to be your next great offensive lineman. Maybe not a first-rounder, but maybe he's got a shot. You know, Just a sophomore and still time in front of him, but he grades out number one pass blocking. That was an elite level. Connor Colby uh, did struggle in pass blocking and lowered his grade. Very good, though, in the run blocking game. In fact, the highest graded uh, run blocker was Connor Colby. So the tackles are playing well. I mentioned Tyler Ellsbury as soon as he came in. Seemed like it ignited a little bit of life to that Iowa offense. He got going. Uh, Bo Stevens did outgrade him from pro football focus, but I thought Ellsbury in his 24 snaps, he played really, really well. So just some things to keep an eye on. We also talked about Logan Jones. Didn't have a great game again uh, overall. Just okay in both of the metrics, below average in both pass blocking and run blocking. You do wonder if that continues, would they make a move to Tyler Ellsbury? As Kirk Ferentz talked about last week, he was a guy that was out there. Uh, the passing game, it was about the tight ends of this one. Sam Laporta, he grades out a very high number at 79.6. Luke Lachey was the second graded receiver uh, right behind him. Then Arlen Bruce, Brody Brecht, and Nico Riagini, uh was the bottom guy here this week. A lot of pressure, had a lot of family there, and just a game where the game plan not for the wide receivers here. We'll see. No, Keegan Johnson uh, was not with the team again. And talking to some people, you know, the question is not just uh, when he's going to be back. It's more if he's going to be back this season for the Hawkeyes. Definitely scary as he works his way back from that hamstring injury. Played last week against Nevada. Didn't get a ton of snaps. And then, of course, with all the uh, shutdown because of the weather delays, uh, that changed things a lot. He didn't go back out there. And, and we'll see. But uh, something to keep an eye on if we're going to see again Keegan Johnson here in 2022. 27-10, the final uh, final thing, special teams for the Hawkeyes as they get it done there uh, in the special teams. Talked about Caleb Johnson in the return game. Drew Stevens, he's got a powerful leg, banged it in off the upright, and uh, got the long field goal to really put the game out of reach at that point. Made it a three-score game as they went up 17, and, and he knew it was over. There's no way this Rutgers team was going to be able to score against the Iowa defense three different times late in that football game. But good to see the ball just comes off of his foot a little bit differently than what we saw out of Aaron Blom. This is going to be your kicker, it feels like, for the next four years and Drew Stevens. And, and great to see him with the powerful leg being able to pound through a long field goal overall. Special teams unit. You got to see, again, Arlen Bruce because he was banged up this week. He was not in the punt return. It was Cooper DeGene back there, Caleb Johnson on the kick returns. Coverage units were good again overall. And finally, the punting battle. You know, we we dubbed it Punathon 2022, and it was Tory Taylor. I, I thought he certainly outplayed his counterpart for Rutgers. There was so much talk, you know, All-American last year, nothing into the, the, uh, into the end zone, no touchbacks from Corsac, but Tory Taylor was the better punter, at least on Saturday night, and helped the Iowa team back them up a bunch of different times with four punts inside the 20-yard line for Tory Taylor. He was good, and Iowa gets the victory. We'll wrap things up. A quick peek ahead to what we see. Michigan on tap coming up this week. It'll be the big noon kickoff, 11 a.m. Central Time kickoff. We'll talk about that as we continue here. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast.
Trent kind of back with you one final time, and we look ahead to the opening lines this week with Michigan coming to town. The Wolverines are installed. Nine-and-a-half-point favorite. That was the early number that was released. Circus Sports, the uh, first sports book here stateside and available in the state of Iowa that does release those numbers. Nine-and-a-half was the opening number. Saw offshore. Bet online, they had it at 10, the Wolverines. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I mentioned before, so I have the uh, a grading scale that I use. I use a couple of different professional betters, power numbers. Uh, what they had it, my couple of places, I kind of put them together, a few with the own tweaks that I do in my handicapping. I had this number at five and a half, and I thought it was going to open more in that touchdown range, but we're talking nine and a half, ten, you know, in the double digits. So I was a little bit surprised by that, just knowing you know, how close usually those numbers are with the opening line. I think a lot of it has to do, obviously, Michigan, they're going to be ranked in the top five coming into this game. Go back to a year ago in the Big Ten championship game. And and Iowa this year, they've been a punching bag on on the national scale. People looked at this and their offensive limitations, and and they're outgained by 100 yards by Rutgers again on Saturday night. You kind of put all those things together, and that's what you're going to get. And definitely get that and understand it. But we're going to break this game down all week long. A huge spot for Iowa. Look, the game plan is very simple. This is Iowa football, right? They're not going to be able to win in a track meet. It's not a game. You can go back to you know, the great 55-24 win against Ohio State five years ago. It's not going to be a game like that where they're going to be able to go and do it in a shootout. This team's just not built for that. They don't have the skill position guys at the wide receiver position to win in that kind of fashion. But they can do it with the defense. I think this defense is that good that they really have an opportunity to close down Michigan. Some, some issues, at least, that popped up. Peaches has got to be good. That offensive line's got to play their best game of the year to give them hope. Probably going to have to hit a couple of big plays in the running game in order to make it happen. But if they do, hang around, hang around, and you know, funky things can happen in Kinnick Stadium. We've seen a ton of that, obviously, throughout the years. And I just go back when number three Michigan came to town here a few years back, and Iowa was able to find a way to get it done. 14-13 in that game. Yeah, I had the last-second field goal from Keith Duncan but also had a safety in that game. Yeah, probably going to need some defensive scores as well to beat this Wolverine team. But after a year ago, motivation's going to be no problem. We'll talk more about LaShawn when you're taking on one of these heavyweight programs. I know this is something, talking to people that have been inside the Iowa locker room under Kirk Ferentz and, and the conversations that happen in the talk, there is a whole lot always about these kind of games. A little bit extra juice that is in there in the locker room and you anticipate that's going to be the case this week and the payback and yeah, probably going to have that game from the big 10 championship game on a loop and remind those guys, Hey, we got a little payback here. We'll see if I was going to be up to the task. A ton of that. LaShawn will join us tomorrow. We will break things down. What he saw out of the running game. What made the offense look so much better against the Rutgers team that have been playing well. Look, they hadn't played a great schedule at Boston College. They got blown out by Florida State over the weekend. Wagner is terrible. And Temple's a bad team as well. They had not played a murder's row by any means. But there was a semblance of positivity that you can take away. We'll get LaShawn's thoughts on that. We'll talk about the Michigan matchup and a whole lot more. Going to be a busy week. We'll be with you each and every day here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Iowa wins it 27-10 over Rutgers, and Iowa now gets ready for Michigan. That'll do it for today. Thanks again to our great sponsors. You want more coverage here from Lockdown? course you can check down check out locked on big 10 nate dickinson goes around the big 10 each and every day in 30 minutes talking about everything happening inside the big 10 we saw minnesota now i think the prohibitive favorite in the big 10 west going on the road and a surprise to me putting it on sparty in that kind of fashion the struggles from northwestern once again they lose over the weekend to miami of ohio 
Purdue, hair on fire to get past Florida Atlantic. Nebraska, good news is they didn't lose. They didn't play this week for the Cornhuskers. Minnesota looks to be that team. Of course, Wisconsin blown out by Ohio State. And how about this week? The Burt Bowl, Brett Bielema taking on his old team, Wisconsin, with the Illini. So a lot going on this week in the Big Ten. Nate Dickinson's got you covered with Locked On Big Ten. This is Locked On Hawkeyes. I'm Trent Condon. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Go Hawks.